ESPN 690 and Action Sports Shacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! But what are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio. ESPN 690. Well, what is happening? We're sitting here in an RV. Travel Camp RV in Rivers, uh, River City, RV City in the River City, and uh, it's starting to build around here. Kind of quiet. Uh, listen, I'll I'll be transparent with you. I'm not going to over dramatize this thing. Everybody's just getting set up. I'm getting set up. I mean, we're still getting knocks on the door saying, "Hey, we got to move the RV a little bit over here instead." So I'm going to have to do that after the show. This is a big sucker, Casey Kurtz. Looks like it, man. Thirty-three footer. Yeah. You know the scary part about the RV stuff is yeah. I'm not like a veteran, right? I did the trip. You're we barely a rookie. I'm barely a rookie. Like, no, I'm still a rookie. So we did the U-Haul version, like the Class C, and that's what they call them, like the, more of the U-Haul trucky ones. And it was big. It was like 24 feet. That's kind of big for me. Like, I mean, I drive a truck, but it's bigger than the truck. And sure. so, you know, it's wider than the truck, too. So, you know, we drove up to North Carolina. That was big. That was five hours. This is nothing. I'm going to travel camp on Beach Boulevard, and we're driving over the Hart Bridge, and we're parking. Like, not very far drive. But my man Brian over there at travel camp has been helping us out the last couple of times. He's like, hey, it's already pulled into a spot, but you're not going to be able to make the turn in this bigger rig. So you're just going to have to pull forward, back up, and then go out the driveway. Now, meanwhile, you're going across Beach Boulevard. You're taking a left out of there, and you've got to deal with Beach Boulevard, okay? So, these are tense times, Casey Kurtz. I'm not going to lie. Sounds like I'm it. Ba- I'm backing up the 33-footer, and I, <laughs> it took me like four times. I didn't trust it. I was just like, I don't want to be the guy that's in the parking lot pulling out of travel camp, and boom, <laughs> I hit the RV against another RV. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. That would not be good. So, there was some pressure on me today, you know? I mean... TV, live TV, tomorrow night, all this stuff, whatever. That's nothing. That's not pressure. That, driving the RV, the big rig, the Class A, the bus, the 33-footer, the mobile office. Driving that off the lot today, taking a left on Beach Boulevard through four lanes. That was pressure, Casey Kurtz. Sounds like it. And I don't know if I handled it terrific, but I at least got the job done. That's really all that matters, right? As long as you get the job done. <laughs> With no disaster. So, But uh, you do have to take it back, so there is always a second chance. Well, the good thing about taking it back is when I take it back, usually everybody else is about gone because it will be Sunday afternoon. And so I've got plenty of room to maneuver in here. Uh, and I jump on the Hart Bridge, take a left, go over it. And I can, I'm fine driving it, by the way. But then I take a right into travel camp, and I don't have to worry about all the rest of it. I'm just I'm just dropping it. Boom, right there. I'm not pulling it into a spot or backing it up. So it's an easy ride home, easier ride home. It really was a pretty easy ride here, too. Uh, so we appreciate everybody at travel camp for making it happen. It's fun to be out there. I, I wish we could actually be in it and out in it more, more um, than we even are. But it's a great home base. 
especially because it was just raining out there. Now it's beautiful again. It was just a shower. Uh, but uh, here we are in RV City for Georgia-Florida Week. Have you ever done the RV thing at all? Did I ask you this, or was I just selfishly talking about my own trip the last time we talked about this? Uh, my parents used to have an RV. I've they never, did. I've never driven one though. Like I wasn't doing. But that. you like? Did you like the RV experience with your with it's your cool. folks as a family? Yeah. Well, you know, it's cool. Yeah. Me and my parents argue a bit when we're in confined spaces for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's cool, though. No like, way. They, that surprises me. They like it a lot. And, like, Amanda's parents have a, uh, a camper, actually. So, right. uh, yeah, I'm familiar with the – I like the one, like, I like the situation you're in, right? My parents had this, so, like, you'd be driving it, but then you're still in there mad chilling. Like, Amanda's, yes. you got to, like, ride in the truck because you can't drive it. Yeah, you know I'm saying I can't. Yeah. I can't get on board for that. I want to be in there. Like if I'm getting an RV, I need to be chilling, like while it's happening. Like if you want to camp, I think the best thing to do, and I don't know, I believe I'm, I'm a novice at this, but I think the best thing is like one of those fifth wheels. Man, you get those fifth wheels for what you get. It's great bang for the buck. The problem with it is if you want the RV experience, like you're talking about. You got to go sit in the truck while you're on the five-hour journey or whatever. Yeah, and I, I can't mess you know? with that. Yeah. But then, so that's like you kind of want this where you can, I mean, now whoever's driving the truck can't get to do anything, but everybody else can do stuff uh, while you're while they're driving. So there is that. Uh, hey, we got Georgia Florida Week here in town. Hall of Fame induction ceremony, by the way. I'll I'll be the MC for that luncheon presented by Miller Electric Company. That's coming up on Friday, and there are still tickets available and tables on sale. G-A-F-L-Jax.com. That's G-A-F-L-Jax.com. George's champ, Bailey, John Little, uh, Florida's Andre Caldwell, and Trey Burton will be inducted. That happens at noon at TIAA Bankfield East Club just across the street from where I am. I actually thought about this, Casey. Champ Bailey, he is in the Hall of College Football Hall of Fame. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And the last Hall of Fame he got in was the Georgia-Florida Hall of Fame. Yeah, I know. What's the deal with that? <laughs> That's a little tougher weird. to get in the one? I mean, come on <laughs> well, they only do they only do two a year. He, he, I think he played, what, 98, I think, was his last year. And so <laughs> it kind of struck me yesterday. I was doing a little homework on the Champ Bailey stuff for, the, for Friday and MC, and, and I was like, well, that's interesting that he got into both those Hall of Fames before this one. Uh, so it's quite an honor coming up for Champ Bailey and another Hall of Fame. He is familiar with Hall of Fame speeches. At least he has that in his back pocket. He's got a locked in and ready to go. You know, this is a thing that I wish I could go to. Georgia-Florida Exhibition Baseball game. They've been doing that now at 1-1 Financial Ballpark. Yep. Uh, tickets only 15 bucks at Ticketmaster.com. That happens Friday night. There'll be fireworks as well. Part of the festivities down here. I think there's a Luke Bryan concert that night as well at the arena. So it's going to be hopping down here on Friday. But that's a good little baseball game, man, for the fall to be able to check out. Obviously, we have high school football, and we actually have a special at 7 o'clock. I'll be inside the stadium uh, for a countdown to kickoff special on TV. But that's not a bad little thing to do on Friday. Go catch a little baseball action. Yeah, no, it's good. You got two good teams. And, yeah, they, they continue to play this game in Jacksonville, which is cool. Figuring out what their teams are, which is exciting. And it's still a rivalry. The teams don't really like each other that much. So although it's an exhibition, you know, they're still trying to win, which is exciting as well. I think it's just a good thing for the city with bringing multiple sports in with yeah. those teams. Now there's something to rally around. It's usually a good crowd as well. So I think it's, a, it's an all-around good event. It's a good it's idea. It's a good idea. Yeah, I think that. And that's a relatively new idea. 
you know, that hasn't been going on for 20, 30 years. I don't know if they just got schedules together. Maybe if the rules even changed at one time, I'm not sure. But I don't like that. I think that's fairly new. That has not happened every year since I've been here. Uh, Georgia-Florida Fanfare presented by Public Supermarkets Saturday, October 29th. That's on game day. That'll be until 9, until 3.30. So right up until kickoff, Daly's Flex Field, free and open to the public. Flag football, human foosball, and more interactive experiences coming up uh, as well. So those are just some of the festivities happening around this game. Uh, give your work. We're going to be over at the ESPN 690 game day, Duval House pregame show, 9 a.m. until 11 a.m. You're coming to the game. You're working. You're a member of the media, Casey Kurtz. In other years, like when you were at school, like what did you do while you were a student at UNF? Did you just watch a football game from campus? Did you wander down here? Did you guys have your own parties? Like what was that like? Yeah, so I'd never been as a fan. I've never bought, like, a ticket or anything uh, inside the stadium. I have been down there. Uh, Brent, you know me. I've been getting helmets signed from time to time after the game, so that's usually what I was up to. But, uh, yeah, I, there were times where I'd come down and, you know, have, uh, I, like, a party with some people outside, never going in, have watched it uh, from campus before as well. But I will say most, most times I would head down in, like, the third quarter and kind of do my thing, Brent. You know how it is. Yeah, I get you. Uh, who's, who did you – who have you – got that is now of value uh the last time i went down there whatever year that was i got deandre swift oh okay so i'm trying to think like it goes back i haven't been down there since that actually fun fact uh there's a family picture floating around of deandre swift and his whole family from that night i took the picture really oh you sure. they needed somebody to take the picture and you you were the guy i was like hey you help me out with this i'll help you out with that and that was as simple as the trade <laughs> went his mom his mom was like yeah we'll do that so that's uh, a good trade yep worked out <laughs> uh so anyway that I, I do wonder what people do right I, i'm working it i think there are parties from saint simon's island to saint augustine the next few days and beyond i think people do their own thing maybe it's a cul-de-sac maybe it's watching out of their garage like i've seen people do that in our neighborhood for big games and i think i've even seen it like People tell me that that's what they do. Um, I'm never around the neighborhood on that day, so I don't fully understand what goes on. But, like, I get it. I think there are different parties like that. And I, I just – we're always down in the mecca of it, Casey, so I was kind of curious, like, what's the periphery look like? You know, like, mm -hmm. what does the beach look like on a Saturday uh, in terms of, like, the restaurants? And what do the breweries look like? Are those packed? On, on Saturday to watch this game? Is String Sports Brewery going to be packed because people just went to a place, but they don't want to deal with all the, the traffic and the festivities and the, the big crowd, but they still kind of enjoy it in a different kind of way? It's funny. I've been here 15 years. I'm not really sure I've ever asked that question, but I was kind of thinking about it in that respect. This is where it's at. We know that. Uh, but I think the whole area has the opportunity to celebrate it. And Jacksonville likes a good event now. People like going to events. So you don't have to be a Florida fan. You don't have to be a Georgia fan to just go participate in an event. Yeah, everybody loves a good event. But to your point, yeah, I think I think it gets crowded. I will say just in the UNF days, you could tell the parking lot was a little more full. First of all, they don't check parking on Saturday. But also, you could hear that people were having a good time in some of the rooms around you. So... Yeah, I think I think people get together. I think it's a thing. And frankly, Brent, if you're giving college kids a reason to drink, they're there. You know what I mean? It could just be the sun's coming up. Yeah, let's get it. But <laughs> that is true. Uh, that is true. Uh, the Jaguars. I just had Steve Boston, uh, who calls in from time to time, ask about the signing of the new corner that uh, Doug Peterson mentioned about. So uh, Jordan Delugo, I'm going to just steal his tweet instead of go look at the email that I just got. Uh, Tavon Campbell. 
Uh, 29 years old on the Raiders practice squad. They signed him from extensive playing time in L.A. in 2021. Uh, he's a Canada guy, born in Ontario. Yes. Spent some time in the CFL uh, to start his pro career. So uh, there it is on uh, on the new corner, Tavon Campbell. And Shaq Griffin, if you're just jumping in, goes on the IR for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, is there a chance we don't see Shaq Griffin re-enter the lineup for the Jags? And maybe not play for the Jets. Like, I wonder how banged up he is in that. Like, is he going to come back? Is the back going to get fixed? Also, does somebody just play better than him and they don't reinsert him in the lineup, Casey? I do think we're looking at, regardless of what happens the rest of this year, in his contract, it was a three-year deal that they can likely get out of after two years. I think this is it for Shaq Griffin in Jacksonville. But I wonder if we've almost seen the last of it anyway, depending on how a guy like Trey Herndon plays, or anybody else they try to play, maybe a Buster Brown, one of their draft picks. Do they put him back there and see what he's got? I know they like him. and and Or maybe a guy like this, Tavon Campbell, comes in just steals the job. That'll be interesting to watch. It will, I think. I think it will depend on how this goes the next four games, right? We know we're not seeing him at least for four games, and if they don't win... Why put Shaq back in? Because you might want to figure out what you have. Trey Herndon or any of your other young guys, you might as well figure that out. Because if Shaq Griffin's not going to be here next year anyway, well, you might as well figure out what you got because that's a position that they're not as good at that we thought they would be. They've got two guys that they got one guy that's great. Darius Williams is doing his job in, in the slot, and they need to still get somebody on the outside. So if they're not in position to really make any noise, yeah, just go ahead and play the younger guys. I said earlier in this show when Clay was on that I'm concerned about the pressure, the the front. Uh, I know you got to be a little concerned of Sertan. You know me. I love Sertan uh, from the jump. But Doug Peterson really loves him player. too. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty interesting, right? Top two guy. Uh, and I think he is really good. I don't know if he's a top two guy. I don't know where he'd rank, but I think he's good. And uh, he's lived up to the, the billing and, and – I liked him coming out now. I thought he was a can't-miss guy, and I think it's kind of worked that way. Um, there's plenty of guys that you say that about, and it doesn't work out to this degree, but he certainly has, so good for him, and and Denver got a good one. But I'm more concerned about that front. The Bradley, Bradley Chubb's coming on. Bradley Chubb's playing well. Uh, this could be a show-me game for Bradley Chubb because maybe he gets traded after this game and with the deadline looming on Tuesday. Uh, it's not just Trevor. It's their offensive line. They've played well. They've only allowed, what, 10 sacks through seven games? They've run blocked really well. We question them on short yardage situations. But, I mean, how many times do we have people on social media or calling in complaining about the offensive line in 2022, Casey? How about, like, never since the Washington game? Yeah, that is true. I actually didn't think about that, but... Yeah, the, the offensive line has not been a uh, conversation point from at least the listeners and the viewers, so it's got to be good. Right? Yeah, So, but I do fear for the front. I give them a lot of credit. It's not about the Jags as much. It's a little about Trevor, okay? Is he going to be able to handle that? It's going to be a little different. I think he's going to be under the most pressure he's been under since the Washington game. I guess that's what I'm getting at. And are we going to see a guy that can handle that and, and is better at it, and or will he be forced into mistakes? And that's how you lose the game. Because Denver has trouble on offense, but that how you lose the game on Sunday is you make more mistakes than they do. You know what I mean? 
yeah, I think I think Denver's not scaring anybody on offense to that point. So yeah, you just got to play consistent football and don't make the mistakes, right? Don't fumble going into the end zone if you're Travis Etienne. Just don't let the big play happen to you. Don't let the the wide receiver run right past you like we saw happen in now multiple games that the Jags have been in. So yeah, limit the mistakes. You probably can win this football game because I think Denver and Russell Wilson, they're going to make mistakes, Brent. I'm not sold on Russell Wilson. I know they paid a lot of money for him. Okay, great. I know the whole situation, but I'm not sold that Russell Wilson's even playing good football ever again. So you limit the mistakes, you win the football game. I don't think Denver's a good team. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I don't either, but is there some concern that they just pop <laughs> in a game? You know, like the Jags are the team that Matt Ryan goes crazy with, and the Jags are the team that Hackett and Denver, with a sense of urgency, find whatever offense they've been lacking. I mean, there's concern there, right? I mean, it's certainly possible, and it would be a very jag thing to do to let that happen. But, you know, they have the wide receivers to make some noise, and they could do what has hurt the Jacks, the crossing routes, the burning corners. They could do those things because I, I might be the only one left that believes in their wide receivers, but I do. Russ Wilson, though, he's completing like – 58% or something this year. It's like a really low number. So I'm telling you, I don't trust him to make the plays right now. Yeah, I don't either. And I think he's, it might be better that he plays rather than Rippon gets the next one, Like especially because he is banged up. The bottom line is Russ is not healthy. Russ is not playing well, but he's not healthy either, you know? So uh, there's a lot going on there. And he can get it right because even in the first quarter of whatever primetime game that was recently, he played excellent, Casey. And then he just didn't do anything the rest of the game. So he showed a flash that it was there. But he is in some kind of funk, and they are in some kind of funk offensively. I just always wonder, when you have receivers like that, when you have a quarterback that's done what Russell Wilson has done, like, is that going to last, or are they going to find it? And I'm surprised through seven games they haven't been able to find it. But I wonder if it's going to be the case through eight games. I mean, if they want to keep their head coach, they need to find it. At least that's what it sounds like. So, I again, Brent, I, it would be a total Jags thing for it to happen. I just I don't have a lot of faith in the Denver Broncos coming from a guy who thought they'd win the division. Yeah, and that's pretty interesting, right? Because you did. You were high on them. And a lot of people were high on them. You weren't alone there. They have highly disappointed. Uh, do you think, let's go back to Hackett real quick. Do you think Hackett should be fired if they don't figure this out, like in season? Or is that a quick hook? Yeah, I wouldn't fire the guy. Listen, I know the Denver Broncos fans aren't thrilled because for some reason I have them on my Twitter. I don't know why. But anyway, I see all their stuff. It's so odd. <laughs> it is kind of wild. Yeah, they just pop up. Anyway, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. It's too quick. And, like, as far as I understand it, you know, there's been nothing optically that's been bad for a reason for him to be fired. I know things aren't going well, but I I wouldn't fire the guy. I just I, it's too soon. It's just way too soon to know. I think there's been some mistakes made there, but I don't think that you should fire this guy seven eight games into it because he could still figure it out and they still have talent. I I wouldn't do it. There's no way you fire a coach halfway through. You know, a first season. If you want to fire him after a season, you're just like, listen, this is not working. This was not it. And I will say this. There are a lot of people around here that I know that we know. I mean, Clay Harbor would just had on left. I like Hackett from the Hackett. I know I'd, I'd easily root for the guy. 
Um, it's super, super guy. I thought I think he's a good coach from a coaching perspective. Now I don't know him as a head coach until this year. But if I'm being honest, Casey, like you watch these primetime games, and I said this a couple weeks ago, he's under the spotlight because they're playing in primetime so much mm. that everything is scrutinized times 10 because it's the only game in the window that they are playing. But he looks so uncomfortable. This is like an affable guy with a big personality that doesn't find a microphone or a camera. And he looks uncomfortable. He does When that, they show yeah. him on the sideline, he looks uncomfortable when he does, like, that first quarter interview or halftime interview or whatever. Like, he is, he looks uncomfortable at the press conference. I understand it's uncomfortable when things go wrong, but that's probably what surprised me the most. He looks like he has just not got his settled in as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, and he hasn't been allowed to yet because of the lack of success, probably all the noise around it. Um, and I think that's what I've noticed more than anything. This is a guy that is just like personality-wise, he's he's awesome and like a real likable dude. And he looks like he doesn't want to be in some spots right now. Uh, and, and it's a tough spot for him. So that part is, is pretty wild to me. Uh, back, I'm jumping all around here. But I think we hit on something, and I think it deserves more attention. I just talked to Jawan Taylor in the Jags locker room about his success. Like, you know, these guys put a lot of work in, and you get three years in. Is Taylor, like, is he an example of what happens if you are patient and you give him a few years and you give him some time? Is Cam Robinson that example to the big payday that he got? Uh, we're not talking about Luke Fortner at all. True. At all. We were talking about him for the first six quarters like, whoa, Clay Harbor said to bench him. Remember? I do. So it's pretty wild, this offense. I'm not surprised by Brandon Sheriff. And they've had a couple different guys now at left guard because of the injury to Ben Barch. But those other three guys, Casey, overall have done a really nice job uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. And, you know, because we want the offensive line to blend in, it's, I think we do need to point out that nobody's talking about it because if there is one thing that everybody talks about every week, off-season, in-season, whatever season, it's our offensive line does, isn't good enough. That's every fan base. That's this fan base. But this offensive line, I guess what I'm trying to say, has been good enough, Casey. They have. I mean, to the Juwan Taylor point of it, like he was a guy that was talented coming out of Florida, there was no doubt. God, I mean, people thought he was going to be a first-round pick, so it didn't click right away, but that kind of stuff happens. And it kind of goes back to a point I made a little bit ago, a couple months ago now with college football. Like, if you just let these things play out and you don't fire the coach seven games in, a year in, a lot of times, you know, things get better. Juwan Taylor's been here. He's been working for the most part with the same dudes. I know Brandon Sheriff is different now, but he's been working with Cam Robinson. And the it, the consistency has probably helped him in that point of view. I'm sure the competition helped him when they had Walker Little trying to take his job. So I think, yeah, it's it's good for Jawan Taylor that they held on. He's having a good year. And the whole offensive line is to your point, Brent. But I will say this, uh, the top eight teams in the league in the sack department, you play three of them coming up, or four of them coming up pretty quick. So Denver's got... 22 sacks at third in the league. The Dallas Cowboys have 29 sacks. They'll play them a little farther out. But the Baltimore Ravens and the Kansas City Chiefs, all top eight in sacks in the league. And this offensive line is going to have to deal with all those teams coming up. Wow, the Kansas City Chiefs are top eight in sacks. I wouldn't have guessed that. They are number eight at 19. Wow, that surprises me. 
I thought you were going to tell me the Raiders because, like, Max Crosby, you know, and yeah. uh, Dallas Jones. Daniel Jones isn't doing anything, but uh, you not. still have to you have to be prepared for both those guys. Yeah. But in Dallas makes sense. And then Baltimore. Uh, yeah, and Baltimore makes sense. So, yeah, they're, they're going to have to earn it. The, the ja- they're going to face a di- – this is going to be a different month for the Jacksonville Jaguars. One, I think the teams are better, but I think they're seasoned and they're more physical and they can create havoc up front probably more than the first seven games of the year. Now, we had you had opportunities like uh, Philadelphia. They can do that to you. Washington did that. But this isn't playing Indianapolis twice, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more of a test uh, in the front of the teams that you're playing over the next month. And the Jags offensive line uh, will have to do a good job. Let's take a break. We are live in RV City. We're live in our mobile office just hanging out here. Georgia, Florida week. we got all the festivities coming up. We have Jaguars All Access tonight. String Sports Brewery, 7 o'clock. Rasheen Mathis will join us. We did make a change. If you want to look ahead, we're moved to Jags Report Live, our Monday show at Sneakers. We just made this decision a couple hours ago to move it off Halloween so everybody can go trick-or-treat with the kids and uh, including folks that want to come out and, and watch the show. And we'll have Dan Arnold, my guy Dan Arnold, mm. on the show Tuesday at 7 o'clock. So we moved it from Monday to Tuesday, next week only, on Jags Report Live at Sneakers in Jags Beach. So a lot of activity going on here, a lot of shows, CBS 47, Fox 30, and right here on ESPN 690 over the next seven or eight days. So just keep it locked right here. Listen, he's, number one, he's a, he's a great person, great player. Um, you can tell that he studies his opponent. He's long, he's athletic, and run, and he's physical. And when you have those type of traits, um, you know, I think you can throw in, you know, like Tyson Campbell was in that in that mix a year ago, right, with those guys. And, you know, this guy is, um, he's young, but he's, he's that type of player. And um, he's, he's gaining a lot of respect, obviously, uh, around the league. And when you watch tape, you know, teams teams try to throw that, that way. Um, with not much success, so um, he's, he's doing he's doing a great job. That's Doug Peterson talking about Patrick Sertan, and he threw Tyson Campbell's name in there as well. More on that in just a moment. Brett Martineau along with Casey Kurtz, football at five. Ben Clay Harbor on early. Aaron Schachter was here earlier as well. I uh, had to. Casey's been some, here the uh, whole time. Yeah, you're the only one. The only one. <laughs> And you're sticking around for overtime, Kurtz and Middleton, right? Who's really putting in the hours around this place? Hey, listen, now, I just got a lot of work done in that locker room. I just want to let you know. Listen, I said around this place, in this room, there's no argument who does the most work in this room. Outside of it, I won't won't argue. That is a good point. That's a fair point. Nobody Uh, gets more done than me. Nobody more done in that room than you. Give it time. Uh, Give it time. (laughs) Uh, yeah, you got it. You absolutely have it. Are they doing a, like? Aren't they doing like a Florida Georgia kind of get together cookout tailgate Friday? You go into that thing. Uh, Bono's going to be served as well. I mean, that's a nice little station event to go get some free food. Yeah, man, it's nice. But the problem is they don't understand. Shout out. Well, I shouldn't do that. But uh, you know, some of us still work after three o'clock on Friday. Some of us don't even start our day or our shows <laughs> until three o'clock on Friday. So. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll see if I can grab something, if there's extra plates available, Brent, but I think I have to be here with you. Yeah, you probably do. Uh, we have a lot of coverage going on. This is a busy time uh, for sure. But I'm glad they can get lunch. Hey, Moose is already at Spring Sports Brewery. He's ready to go for Rasheed Mathis and Jaguars All Access. Wait, early? Is anybody more legendary than Moose, man? 
is the best. I don't know if the show's starting early. Moose is hosted. If it is, wouldn't it be hilarious uh, if the show was at six? Yeah, and I forgot. Yeah, and that could, by know. the way, this time of year that could happen. Man, you saw that email I sent out last night. Boy, I I read that I, email for like seven minutes. Amanda's like, "What are you looking at?" I'm like, "Brent sent this email that's like the size of a Harry Potter book." Like, yeah. I don't know. It took me about ninety minutes to do that email. I bet it did. But I, I just don't want to miss anything this time. There's a lot going on now. And my so, favorite uh, part was I got to the bottom of it, and I realized literally none of it had anything to do with me. None. I was just like, you know what? I could just for, just text these guys. I'm like, I'm just going to send them the whole thing. Maybe they'll enjoy the read. Like I'm like, I'm like I see Brian Middleton. I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm like, where's Casey on this list? Lots of Olivia. <laughs> lots of Stewart. Lots of Marcel. Even some people I can't name. Even see Brian Middleton. And I'm like, all right, Casey's going to get a shot. He never did. Yeah, well, you did. I mean, it was more at just the bottom, driving down with me. At the bottom, you're like, Casey, <laughs> me and Casey are riding together. And I was like, all right, I made the email. Nice. <laughs> you did. You did. I tell you, though, I did spend a lot of time on that. I'm not going to lie. That, was, that took a long email. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those emails where you don't want to hit send because you're like, as soon as you hit send, you're going to remember something you left out. That's true. You know? And yeah. so I was like, I'm going to let this sit for a couple minutes, and then I'll wait, and I'll go back to it, and I add something, and then I wait, and then I'll add something. And uh, that's where we And went. The, by the way, the perks of if you if you never work with Brent Martineau, if you've never gotten the treat to get to work with television's Brent Martineau, all he only sends emails from 9 p.m. to like 2:30 a.m. Those yeah, are when Brent sends his emails, not during business hours. You, you got to be up late to work with Brent. No, uh, yeah, you well it, at least get a response or something because it's hard. Like I just checked my email from the last three hours right now during that last break. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, let's see what I'm missing here, and then I go back to it. Because you get like a 24-hour rule, you know, in the emails, I try to go back and make sure I didn't leave anything from the previous day. Right. You know, so you get at least a response. But, yeah, that is high time for my emailing. You're not wrong there. Uh, Brent Martin, Casey Kurtz. Doug Peterson just was talking about Patrick Sertan. Tyson Campbell's good, right? Like, yep. Like, he's good. We know. Things uh, we know. That. We're not ready to say he's elite yet, though, right? Well, yeah, I don't know, Brent. I mean, I think it's questionable because we saw the Giants throw it to every other side of the field or defender the Jags had but him. So he's getting the respect, at least. They understand that that's the guy you don't want to go after. But to your point, going back to the Washington game, you know, they made yeah, some plays I, on him. I feel like he's to be he's not elite yet in my mind because he's giving up too many big plays. Pass interference in the end zone. Big play, pass interference in the indie game on a 23-yard play. I forget who, who caught it. The the touchdown at the end again. I, think, I don't think that was a terrible play by Dyson Campbell in the Washington game. It was really a better play by the offense. But he still gave it up. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm close. And I'm really close. But I can't do it yet. And he probably has to come away with a few more picks. Although he's not getting challenged a lot, to your point. I mean, he poked a fumble loose already this year. His his uh, coverage ratings, however you want to say it, are really good. He's got a pick. I mean, he's done a lot through seven games. And the growth has been just enormous since the first six, eight games. I don't think we talk enough about the guy, I guess, is what I'm saying. And... You know where else I was going to go with this? What you got? And, and Please don't tell me, me his back hurts. No, hear, <laughs> hear me out in the context of it, because I don't want to go overboard. The Jags lost who I believe, if he had stayed here, would be the best player to ever wear a Jags uniform in Jalen Ramsey. Mm -hmm. He was a surefire, and still is, Hall of Famer. 
Like I don't so. think we've ever said that about anybody. Tony Baselli just went in the Hall of Fame. Maybe they said it back in 96, 97 when they saw all that stuff starting to happen and, and couldn't predict that it, the, the longevity of his career wouldn't be there. So that might have been the case. I wasn't here then. So maybe that was the case. But even as good as Fred was, Maurice Jones-Drew, Jimmy Smith, nobody ever said, hey, like, there, there's battles for him to be a Hall of Famer. But I don't think people are like, he's a surefire Hall of Famer a couple years into his career. That's what we were saying about Jalen, and we knew it, like, right away. Yeah. And so in my estimation, he's the best player I've seen from a talent standpoint in a Jags uniform in my 15 years here. And I think you can make the case that he would have trended to be that guy if he had stayed here, not even for his entirety of his career, but for, like, eight years. Instead, he didn't make it through his first contract. Right. So... But on the flip side of that, when you lose a player like that, and they did get multiple first-round picks and a fourth-round pick, is Tyson Campbell making us forget about Jalen Ramsey better, or did we already just forget about him? I think we forgot about him because we had to, right? We were mad. You had to forget about him. You had to let him go. But I think that it should not be overshadowed that the guy that I think – well, now I, I feel the guy that I said that was their best player is no longer on the team. So their best player might be Tyson Campbell. And I think it I think it really says something, Brent, when the Giants are like, we're not doing it. They didn't throw to uh, one target or zero targets. I forget exactly. But, like, you're seeing it happen. Like, the teams are starting to respect that. And I think he's just getting better and better. And if you're... 16 plus whatever games in for Tyson Campbell and you already have teams not even thrown to your side of the field. I think that tells me what I need to know that they're going into film and they're like, all right, we don't want to mess with this guy unless we have to. So yeah, I think it helps that they brought this guy in and he's turned out to be incredible. So yeah, I think they forget about Jalen more because they have to, but Tyson's certainly making it easy, but don't even think about that. They could both be on the field at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But would you have drafted one right at 33 and all that goes into play and keep in mind. And and if you just jump it in this conversation here, Football at 5, Brent Fred's on ESPN 690. This isn't a Jalen conversation, per se. And it's also, it's not going to read well on Twitter. I get it, as I teased it, and <laughs> social media will be like, Brent, stop talking about Jalen Ramsey. I'm not saying that they, uh, that stuff is gone. When you lose a player like that, though, of that caliber, you wonder if you will get one, or find one, or somebody close. And I'm not ready to say he's Jalen Ramsey. I don't think he is. And I don't think that's fair to even say that. It's not even close yet, to be honest. But I think he is in the conversation of potentially an elite corner. And he is as well. this organization has had some good ones, including Rasheen Mathis, who will be on Jaguars All Access tonight at String Sports Brewery. And Tyson Campbell is heading down a road with his growth every year and every six months, it seems like. that He could be damn good. In, like, another year. Yeah. Like, crazy good. So, just keep an eye on it. And it, and, and the other part of this, Casey, is <laughs> yep. they didn't replace Ramsey with Campbell. They actually tried to replace Ramsey with C.J. Henderson. I forgot about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, They yeah, missed. Yeah. And oh, part time. of the reason they got Tyson Campbell is because they were missing on C.J. Henderson, too. Yeah. So, forgot about it. Urban Meyer, that draft, whether it's Trent Bulky driven, whoever it is, ETN is showing some good returns. I'm glad you're bringing this up 
Tyson Campbell is showing some good returns. We know Trevor's Trevor, right? Like, and it's gonna he's gonna be here, and we like a lot of it. It's still gonna get better. All this stuff. We don't know how good the ceiling is going to be, like legitimately in the NFL. But these guys are showing those first three picks is that's how you turn an organization around, Casey. Is you hit on one twenty-five and thirty-three. Yeah, yeah, that is the way to do it. And listen, we've said this on overtime a couple of times, Brent. We think, well, we know Travis Etienne was an Urban Meyer pick. We think Tyson Campbell was an Urban Meyer pick. I do, because he knew him from like his high school days. Yeah. So, when do we have to write Urban the thank you note? Yeah, after the facility's built. <laughs> yeah, I know. You add that in. Like, me and Brian talk about it. Like, at some point, we're going to have to send this guy, at the minimum, like a dollar store thank you card. Because these two might be foundations of your team for a long time. And, listen, I know Trevor was a no-brainer. Meh. He gets credit for it. Yeah, he, he does. He gets credit for it. And, you know, the other thing about, like, ETN, ETN came from the Ramsey trade. Yes. Right? I have uh, that right. Chase on an ETN? Chase on an ETN. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Chase on ETN came from that trade. Like, know. if that does work out, and by the way, the other guy they got was Ben Barch, who was working out until he got hurt. True. Like, Ben Barch was a starter. He was? You got two starters. Now, Chase on, eh, we know how that has worked, all right? I get it. And I'm not saying all that replaced, but you got two starters, and then you found another corner. So you look at the whole package, and, and uh, the corner pick was not part of the Ramsey deal, so I'm kind of painting this a certain way, I guess. Um, uh, just interesting to look at, but it's it's still too early. We don't know, but it's cer- certainly shaping up to have conversations like this down the road, especially there's nobody that's grown more, developed more on the Jags roster in the last 24 games than Tyson Campbell. 100%. I mean, I mean Trevor's probably pretty close, to be honest with you. But Tyson Campbell leads the way. Absolutely. Leads the way. He played awful in the beginning of his career. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> had those conversations. Really like, are, <laughs> what are they doing here? Yeah. Yeah. And now he is really good. He's a good player and a good piece here in Jacksonville. We're going to take a break. We put a bow on the show. Hey, welcome back. We uh, put a bow on the show here on Brett and Friends on ESPN 690. Once again, thanks to Clay Harbor for jumping on. Thanks to Aaron Schachter and Casey Kurtz, who does more work in that room than anybody else, of course. Not a human uh, alive that has ever done more work in this room than me. <laughs> for uh, uh, the first 90 minutes. I was in the Jags locker room today. I don't get to go to the locker room much because they have it at 3 o'clock now. It's just like the worst for me. Not that they should care about what I think. but uh, You do host their show. I mean. <laughs> So it's nice to be in the locker room a little bit and go talk to some players, Jawan Taylor, Trayvon Walker, a chance to catch up with him. Uh, Also, we did catch up with Travis Etienne. If you're just jumping back in, James Robinson talked today in New York, and he sounded like he was a little miffed at the situation. Why didn't he play Sunday? The communication and how this all went down. Uh, How much do you think you pin that on the organization? Casey, or is that, like I said to Clay, is it just a clunky thing sometimes in the NFL where you're probably never going to make it a smooth deal? I remember this with Scobie. Scobie wasn't happy the way it all went down when he got traded to Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, I think it probably could have been done better, but these things happen this type of way, I guess. I think that James Robinson probably has a bad taste in his mouth for the last two years, really, uh, coming off a good rookie season. So 
I think it's going to be good for James. I think it's just unfortunate how it turned out for the fans and for James because the fans are still going to love him, but he's not going to feel the same about at least the Jags as, you know, the fans feel about him. And we'll see what he does. Travis Etienne was great on it. He's like, I think it's good. He's like, I love James. I wish he was still here. But I think it's also good for both of us. I will get to play and get my carries, and he also will get to play and get his carries, and we don't have to worry about splitting up and the number and all that. Like, I'm paraphrasing here. Mm -hmm. But he was very good on it and uh, I think very truthful and transparent on it. Hey, uh, the latest, while I was doing all that, are are the Yankees keeping Cashman? And Boone, is that the story? They're definitely keeping Boone. Uh, They're definitely keeping Boone. That's what Steinbrenner said. That's good for my guy, Travis Chapman, I think. That is good, and it's good for the rest of the AL East because he can't figure out how to win anything. So, um, (laughs) you know, tough day for Yankees fans. I don't know if you saw the Aaron Judge presser on locker cleanout day. Uh, Maybe we'll play it tomorrow, but he's gone. Did I see a report, too, that San Francisco Giants basically said they won't get outbid for him? Uh, I didn't see that, but I could... I could buy it. I mean, the Giants are a team that should have been better than they were. They need offense, so yeah, why not? But I don't think – I think uh, after seeing Judge say, you know, we couldn't come to a contract before the season and now I'm a free agent, I think that pretty much says to me, well, that's it. Start spreading the news. He's leaving today. One other thing, by the way, uh, baseball has lost, like, all its momentum. I mean, can we move the World Series up? Do we yeah, have what to wait until Friday? I like, understand why not Thursday, but what are you? what are we doing today? Yeah, I mean, they could have had yesterday and today, man. There's nothing going on. True. So, I mean, I, I know it's TV, you know. That's all right. I know why. There's like, I know why. But We're all good, Brent. I know why. But I just feel like baseball was hot for a second there. If you like baseball now, I forget that it's even happened. Paulo Bancaro, 19 and a half points. Take the over tonight. I feel good about it. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. I, I kind of feel good about that, too. Right, right. <laughs> Hey, uh, overtime with Curtis and Middleton's coming up next. Fun day from RV City. We'll do it again tomorrow. So stop on by, say hello. If you're down uh, here in the next few days, we certainly will be here as well. That's going to do it for Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. See you at String Sports Brewery, 7 o'clock, Fox 30 with Rasheen Mathis. Jaguars All Rasheen. Access. Overtime with Curtis and Middleton up next.